Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Veer Assassins Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. It's Tuesday, September 13th, 2016, and you know, we've got some special guests in town. It's kind of a cool week. We're kind of going we'll to be talking more about cider tonight than beer. Yesterday was the Cider Week in New York City uh, press preview, and so we have some guys that are coming in the show. John Reynolds from Black Duck and Finger Lakes and Ryan Burke from uh, Angry Orchard, but... um. The show came together because Tom Oliver, months ago, emailed me and said, hey, man, we're going to be at Wassail, that great cider bar in the Lower East Side, on uh, September 13th for dinner. I'll be there with uh, Ryan Burke from uh, Angry Orchard. So that's kind of the show. We're joined by B.R. Roya, who's uh, Shelton Brothers, the importer of, of, of Oliver's. And again, John Reynolds from Black Duck will be joining us. But, you know, B.R., it's always great having you on the show. Thanks, Jimmy. I haven't seen you in a while. It's been a little while. But, you know, to, to me, you know, when we first started doing cider shows years ago, Tom Oliver was one of our first guests. And what does he mean to you guys? Because at Shelton Brothers, you know, you were all beer. And then one day you discovered Tom Oliver. Exactly. And we were happy to have done so. Uh, no, I mean, we, you know, we focus on, on great beers that we find, um, but we're not just limited to beers. Uh, when we started bringing in, started initially with uh, British ciders, and we've since moved on. We've got American ciders, we've got New Zealand ciders, French ciders, Spanish ciders, you know, in all different styles, and these are all very representative of where they come from. Um, and Tom is just making some fantastic traditional ciders over in England, and they just, you know, they very really complement uh, all, all our portfolio and, and, and the beers that we do. So it's really nice to have some ciders there. Let's make a cheers to Tom. It's Tom Oliver's Doings. That's the name of the show tonight. And we're going to have some fun talking about it. So, Tom, you know, th- thanks for reaching out, man. Uh, Jimmy, it's always great to come and see you, and uh, it's always great to have a chance to enjoy a cider with you. Because um, I know you're a big cider fan, and uh, you'd just like a good chance to get, get your hands on some new ciders some, and some that you probably won't have tasted before. That's what I'm looking forward to doing tonight, yeah. <laughs> so you, 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 and, you and Ryan go way back. So Ryan Burke... You know, to tell us how about how you guys met. I know you guys worked on some projects before. Yeah, well, we've we've um, uh, developed a collaborative cider called Gold Rush over the years, and uh, it, that has a basic style to it, but it's uh, developed and moved over time. Um, and uh, today's a great opportunity for us to talk about what the next Gold Rush will be like. Um, whether it'll be called Gold Rush or Doings or whatever we're <laughs> going to come up with, um, we're thinking <laughs> we're thinking hard about it. Uh, but I, I had the, the pleasure of meeting up with Ryan when he was working with Greg uh, Hall at uh, Virtue Cider, and uh, we uh, we hit it off. Uh, it's one of those things. It, it you know it just it just happens. Uh, we hit it off, and uh, we enjoyed talking about cider. We enjoyed making cider. Uh, and we enjoy everything that goes along with it because there's a great social side to cider. Um, I don't think there's many cider makers I've met who I don't really feel that I'm very happy to spend some time with. Uh, but Ryan, it, it, it just went further. And, um, you know, uh, he's an owner of a dog too, a very fine <laughs> dog. And that, that endeared me to him as well. So, so um, yeah, so all good. We, we're, we're, um, 
we're really enjoying making cider together, I have to say. Well, that's good. So, Ryan, what, what yeah. did it mean to you? I mean, you're, you know, a little of your background, you're from New York State. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think uh, for me, Tom, Tom's just been a, a sort of beacon of, of what's possible. Um, I'd certainly had cider before and made cider before meeting Tom, uh, but well before meeting him, uh, and thanks to Shelton Brothers, I got to try cider, and I just had never had anything like that before. Um, and I was at the time was really interested in Lambic, um, Sour Beer, Cantillon, um, and, and all the usual suspects in that group, uh, kind of tuned into what, you know, Sean is doing up at Hill Farmstead, um, that whole, that, that whole set of brewers. Um, and I, then I got to try, um, some of Tom cider in Chicago at Westlake Vila liquors. What's up, Christina? Um, <laughs> one of, one of the, one of the, one of the best, uh, bottle shops in the country, if not the world. Um, and I and I and I had it there, and I it I it changed my life. That 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 sipping that cider, like I can't believe this is cider. Um, and as 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 time progressed, and I got into the industry, uh, then you know I had the opportunity to meet Tom, and um, he's really helped uh, kind of form uh, my view in cider and what's possible, and, and and to always remember to focus on the the past while looking at the future. Um, and I think that's really important for cider making. Cheers, man. Thanks Cheers for coming on. Yeah. So uh, a few years ago, when, when you worked for Virtue, you went over to England. Mm-hmm. And tell us about, got to meet yeah, Tom, we went, and you made some cider with him. We went over to um, we went over to see the Royal Bath and West, which, uh, you know, is sort of most like a, a sort of American uh, country uh, fair, but yeah. it's a little more intense than that um, if you're us uh and i mean us everyone in this room and probably most of the people listening because uh, you can taste about a hundred odd ciders uh and then also taste cheese from all around europe in one place so you go over to the cider booth and you get your cider for like 10 cents or 50 cents or whatever it is it's cheap and then you go over to the, the cheese tent and you can eat the best the best west country cheese uh so go over eat some cheese drink some cider um so we went over for that event uh and spent time with Tom in Ledbury. Um, how was that pr- pronunciation? Yeah, Ledbury was Ledbury. very good pronunciation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Ledbury. Yeah, Ledbury. These guys, they're working on their... <laughs> Not too heavy on the lead. Okay. Yeah. Working on their <laughs> Abbott and Costello routine. But. Yeah. So, yeah, I went over that. That's where I got to meet Tom in person. We'd communicated a bunch before, and then uh, that spun into... Uh, uh, collaborating on a cider called Ledbury, yeah. um, which we did at Virtue, and uh, and uh, also Gold Rush, which we did there. And then, uh, as I you know, I've moved on. We've continued to collaborate on that cider, which is which is I think, you know, sort of indicative of not only our friendship but our our view on what's what's possible and thinking about where this collaboration come, came from and what we can do with it next. And yeah. that's that's the that's the fun part for us. Yeah. So, Tom, for for our listeners who haven't heard you on. We've, you've been on several shows over the years. I know your backstory. What, what is your philosophy of of making cider? And there's a lot of history behind, you know, your your orchard. Yeah. Well, Herefordshire, where I come from, is is the epicenter of bittersweet cider apple growing, uh, and it also is a, 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 the place where there's probably the most peri pears left now. Um, there are some new plantings coming, so the whole area is is steeped in the growing of, of the of the raw material for cider and perry, and it it has a, a long history, uh, a lot of colourful characters, and the whole the whole uh, thrust for me is we've got to make great cider, 
And I think sometimes over history, uh, I know commercial realities are very important and all that, but the real, the real thrust of me always is you've got to make great cider. And you've got to work out for you what is great cider. Um, and great cider may be... Uh, I was going to say that. What is great yeah, cider? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, you know, it, it, must, it must look right, smell right, and taste right. And whatever that right is, because you, you, you mustn't be too prescriptive about it, but it must be really good on all, on all fronts. And sometimes I think we forget about that, um, but, but, you know, you mustn't. You must make sure everything you make and everything you send out of your cidery is, is, is top-notch. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's crucial. And then I think you must use your imagination, because you've got all this history uh, and all this tradition. You've got this knowledge about apples and the varieties and what they can bring to a cider. But what's important is when you put it, put it all together, are you, are you giving uh, the drinker something that's going to give you a, a really positive experience? So it, it needs to be really enjoyable. It needs to be a bit of a journey, and it needs to make sense. It needs to be an intelligent drink. Uh, I, I just I, I get frustrated when you taste something and you think, oh, you know, there's there's something really good in there, but I'm not getting it. It's, it's not working for me. So, uh, really important, just good, drinkable, intelligent cider. You know, Ryan, if, if you're going to meet Tom for the first time and you know about his ciders, what's a question that you would ask him? And John Reynolds just came in from Black Duck Black Duck Cidery. I'm going to ask him to ask you a question, too. This is a good time to pick Tom's brain. Jeez. Tom Oliver's doing. Yeah, I guess uh, it's it's hard for me to ask a question of Tom that I haven't already asked him because I honestly lean on him so much uh, as, as a mentor on on, on so many things uh, in, in cider making, but nothing else. I think it's, I think maybe I should say now that uh, the reason I have lost my hair is not because Ryan's <laughs> asked me too many questions or lent on me, all right? I was losing my hair anyway. Yeah. Um, I, 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 think, yeah. I think one of the things I like continue to, to battle in my cider making is, 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 is blending. And blending, uh, uh, you know, is the fun part and it also is the is the most challenging part and how do i how do i make something that is and touching on what you just said how do i make something that is uh intelligent uh is enjoyable and is is something more than just what i want um and so it's always sort of a you know i sort of lend toward i, I tend to drink a drier cider i enjoy a drier cider but you know that's we're in the we're, we're in the minority right the generally it's a sweeter sweeter cider that's what most people enjoy so um you know how do you then make something that you feel great about and also that a drinker is gonna enjoy um and and can you put it on draft and will it work in a bar and will it sell on the shelf and you've got to think about all those things so i guess my question to you is where where do you draw the line where do you draw the line as to your personal your in your how how do you feel uh that when your a bottle goes out that yeah, it has your integrity when you put your stamp on That's it. it. I, I'll, you, you've, you've got that thing. If it's if it's a side a cider with integrity and that you believe in, then how much commercial reality has it got? And uh, that that's all, that's for me. That's always quite a tough one because there are some ciders I make that are not going to be obviously commercial. In fact, they're far from it probably. But I still think their cider is worth making uh, because they have something to say and they do open up. Uh, the possibility of what cider can be, 
um, and, I, and I think that's important to do that. Um, but yeah, certainly the ciders that you have to make in order to be commercially uh, a reality uh, are quite often not the ciders you drink yourself. But that's all about the skill of, of, of making cider and blending. You, you, you know, and uh, the great thing for me is to make a cider that is not one that you might drink on a regular basis, but other people really enjoy. Uh, I think that's tremendous. And John Reynolds just walked in. John's Black Duck Saturday up in uh, Finger Lakes. John, you know, is it the first time you met Tom? It, it is the first time I met Tom. And it, it's kind of great to be next to, in my mind, a living legend, um, uh, especially when it comes to Perry, because uh, we've planted quite a large pear orchard of uh, true Perry pears uh, at our farm. Uh, we make a lot of Perry, and I've always uh, loved Tom Oliver's Perry. So I think. My question would basically be, um, just tell me everything about Perry. That you <laughs> because, I mean, we've done three vintages, and I, I mean, I'm happy and I like them, but uh, no, I think that the Tom Oliver's Perry's are, uh, even for me, more so than the ciders. Uh, Perry's always fascinate me more. You know, it's a more complex beverage, uh, it tends to be more aromatics. Um, and, and really, there is some level of uh, stupidity or craziness in, in those of us that decide to plant that because it's not the short-term sort of thing like cider apples, I mean, w w which has a shorter turnaround uh, when you plant the orchards. I mean, and, and, you know, here in the Northeast, we fight fire blight and, and uh, biennialness and all this stuff, so. It's a, it, it certainly is a, a testing uh, exercise, making, making perry. Uh, making good perry is a really demanding uh, Thing. I think it's patience. I was talking to John earlier about this. The one thing that you develop and learn, I think, you know, whether you make cider or perry, but especially perry, is patience. Uh, you, you really do need to let the fruit express itself. And it frequently isn't its first expression that it is its best. It may not be its second, but somewhere along the line, you will capture it at, uh, at its peak. Um, and if you fail to do that, then you must let that peak come back around again because it surely will. So it's patience uh, and just using your palate. And Ryan was, you know, just talking about this. You, you, the palate that you have is is the, for me the single greatest tool in terms of making cider that you have. Uh, it's very useful to be physically fit and to be able to pick fruit and shift uh, weights around and do this and do that. But ultimately, the thing that will differentiate all our ciders from each other uh, is going to be our palates. Um, uh, because even if you have uh, the finest laboratory in the world and you have the finest uh, technicians and scientists, uh, they, can, they can work things up so far. But the ultimate test always is the palate. And, um, you know, touch wood... Uh, I, I seem to have a pallet. Thank you. Come in. Uh, <laughs> Wood table. <laughs> seems to be. Tom Knox seems to seems to seems to you know work well with, with cider and perry. Uh, but I have to say, my palate when it comes to things like beer and wine is, is you know is just not developed uh, and sadly lacking. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, it's it's uh, hopefully it's half decent. To That's why I gave you the Hill Farmstead Edward IPA, and you liked it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> loved it. Well, I tell you what, we're off to a great start here. We have got some great cider makers, and we're talking more about cider and beer on Beer Assassins Radio. I would walk five hundred miles, and I, I would walk five hundred more. <laughs> Thank you. 
Music for this commercial break is brought to you by TaxDoc, and this one's called Vicodin Dreams. L. Knife & Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hey, welcome back to Beer Assassins Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, before we close out with a proclaimer song, the, Tom Oliver's secret day job is he, he manages <laughs> rock and roll bands and something, so we always sing the proclaimer song. I thought it was a great attempt, too, uh, to be there. <laughs> and uh, Ryan coming in on the second harmony was very good. Mm-hmm. We, we were on to something. Are we today? auditioning? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, Tom, you know, we, we were talking about you know, a little background on all you guys and, and, and John from Black Ducks in the house, B.R. Royal from Shelton Brothers and Ryan Burke. And, but Ryan, we know we didn't get to talk about your your first cider. So this is something different. You guys, Angry Orchard. Mm-hmm. You know, you were a brand, and now you actually have what, orchards and a cidery in New York State. Yeah, uh, about two years ago now, we purchased a uh, property up in uh, a little town called Walden, so right off the Hudson, a couple miles. Um, and it's our center for innovation. Um, we're doing our, all our new product development out of there. Um, so it's an opportunity to, to move cider forward um, and, and, and in, from a liquid standpoint and also... Uh, to, so first, to, tell us what this cider is in our glass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is First Flora. Uh, this is a pretty special cider for us. Um, it's the first fermentation that we did uh, in Walden. Uh, at the cider house. So in the first three months of production, we didn't pitch any yeast in the property. Uh, we did everything natural. We didn't want to have any inclusion of, you know, of controlled Saccharomyces yeast strains. So we did everything totally natural. Uh, so we, there's a series of ciders that we're calling the Valley Floor, uh, and this is this is one of them. So this particular cider um, is a blend of bittersweet, bitter sharp, and sharp apples, um, all from New York and the Northeast. Um, Total wild fermentation, uh, fermented very cold, about 45, 45 degrees at peak. Uh, so it took about four months to get it to dryness. Um, and then it spent about five months in used Calvados barrels. Um, and then blended to bottle, totally unfiltered, still um, very low sulfur. Um, yeah, we really wanted to present this in its in its natural form. Um, it's really, I mean, it's sort of a, a once 
once in a cider house opportunity for us where we can never really make this one like and this how about, again. How about Tom and then John? Just tell me what you think about yeah. Lions uh, first. Yeah, cider. very nice, very nice cider. Uh, the great thing about a, a, a cider being wild yeast fermented, it, it can still be very clean and uh, straight. And it, this this tastes to me like a really clean fermentation. And the, there's some lovely sweetness being pulled out of the Calvados barrels, and so you get a, a lovely a, both a warmth but a roundness uh, to, to this cider. Uh, but there's enough sharpness and everything. No, it's a good good cider, and very pleased to drink it. Yeah, and we were we were at the uh, uh, New York Cider Association cider uh, tasting uh, yesterday, uh, and it was thirty some cideries uh, tasting sort of as a preview before Cider Week. And I will say, out of all the ciders and Perrys that I tasted there, uh, that was my favorite. Uh, Thanks, man. It wasn't wasn't even close to say me. that again, um, man. It, it was official. It, John it was Reynolds. my favorite. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, dude. without without a doubt, it wasn't even close. So. Yeah, man. And, and you, there's words like innovation. You know, what, what does that mean for you guys? He's getting a $20 tip from <laughs> Tom Oliver's paying to off in the studio. I just want to say I usually get 50 when I'm <laughs> John Reynolds' endorsement. Yeah, New York's always far too pricey for me. Yeah. Well, i got to get sense of it. BR is always the voice of reason. BR, you know, let, let's sum this up. You've got, you brought these gentlemen here. Tom Oliver, Ryan Burke, they're doing a, a dinner tonight at, yes, it was at was Sale. So tell us what's going on at the dinner. Uh, there will be, actually, I, I don't know what the final list has been decided on. It was initially going to be three ciders from, from each of them, and I think they've expanded it. Uh, and then paired with food, I mean, cider is just a wonderful beverage to, pour, uh, to pair with food. I mean, you know, beer is as well, but cider, there's just such a range of flavors. It's, you know, I, I liken it to something like, say, a Saison or... or Beer de Garde has just so many different uh, complex, different types of complexities to it that that match with many different flavors, um, and it's just a it's a wonderful beverage to eat or to to have when you're eating. Um, but I must say, I, for the 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 Angry Orchard cider that we tried, as Tom said, it's extremely clean. Uh, I didn't realize it was all 100 percent natural fermentation. Yeah, Every, um, actually, everything I brought that will taste is 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 total natural fermentation, um, which is which is really exciting uh, for us. Is that you know, we're doing this in this sort of pure, pure natural state, and we're getting these really nice, clean ciders that are finishing out, and they're accentuating the fruit, which for, for us is is the most important. We really like to pull, uh, especially out of the bittersweet ciders that we do, we like to pull uh, some of those uh, sort of rustic phenolics uh, that I would say are, are much like uh, the ciders from Hereford and Somerset, um, and I really, I really look for that in a cider, um, and, and so we're happy that. Um, in this in this year, this twenty the twenty fifteen season, we were able to pull a lot of those phenolics using natural fermentations. And let's do this. Let, let's let's taste faster and talk yeah, more okay. about it. So we just tried your, your great yeah. one, the uh, first Valley floor, floor first yeah. floor, yeah. and now we got Tom. This is Herod for oh, okay Herod for Shire. Yeah. So so what we've got here is posh scrumpy dry, mm. and uh, posh scrumpy is my play on uh, 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 words. Uh, scrumpy, uh, a drink that's uh, for everyone and. Uh, uh, cloudy, um, uh, made with uh, apples 100%. Uh, so how can something that's scrumpy be posh? Well, that's what I'm advocating anyway. <laughs> um, 
It, this is a, as a massively uh, f- big bittersweet cider. Uh, some residual sweetness, so this has been uh, keeved. Uh, so the, sh- the the sweetness is from unfermented Don't apple sugars. Don't bring up pop culture. Uh, Posh. <laughs> Posh. Posh. Spice. Spice. And there's a lot of spice in this too. Um, and uh, uh, so, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a pretty demanding uh, drink for those who have never tasted a, a full bittersweet ciders before. I mean, what is it? It's like it's very ripe, almost overripe fruit, John. It's, it's definitely that, but I mean, this is, I mean, to me, this is like a true West Country uh, cider. Uh, I mean, uh, me being a Cedra guy, I mean, a Spanish cider guy, but, you know, West Country to me is the second, and, and I definitely love like heavy tannic uh, ciders like that. I mean, it's, um, sorry to jump in, but yeah. it's, 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 it's these, this profile that I think we can hit lots of the the similar points that that are achievable in the West Country, especially on the East Coast and especially in New York State. Uh, but but one of the things we can't hit is this harsh tannin. We just don't have this I, here. This I, is one of the things yeah, that makes I, it very special to I think us as cider makers in the states is we just we just can't get this kind of tannin no, over no, here. I, I will say twenty years of uh, twenty years of our orchard is and. Uh, we, you know, we have bittersweet, bitter sharps, uh, both French and English varieties. And uh, I, no, I can I agree. We've never ever achieved something like yeah. that. Yeah, and I think it really it really speaks to the the uh, I, I I try not to say terroir too much, but it 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 does speak to the importance of place and cider making, and it really does then I think elevate cider to the wine level, the taste of so place. Let me have more of that posh. It, 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 it this shows to me. And I think it would show to anybody uh, with an educated palate uh, that, geez, there's only one place that you can drink cider like this, and it's in Hereford, and 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 and, and that's it. You know it. what it is? You know, sometimes you, you taste something, and it changes the, you know, your palate expectations. You know, re, I call it a palate reset. You're drinking sour ciders. You're used to that. Just now, my first taste of the posh scrumpy was, oh, it's a little. I said overripe. But now it's like it's got more flavor. You're right. It's yeah. tannics. And now I don't want to go back. Yeah. And it begs, yeah, I mean, it begs for that cheese. This is my palate yeah. reset, man, right? <laughs> It, it is a, it is a tough um, one too when you, when you drink these ciders the fullness of it and the length that you get from the tannins uh, it, it's it's a huge it's a huge aftertaste too and uh, so you, you, you know you do need to uh, follow it with something that's a little bit different don't try and repeat the same experience because uh, it's not so it's not so easy but do you have a list of, of well the, uh, the foods for yeah, the dinner tonight you've got it jimmy yeah i was going to re- read this out uh, the first thing i would like to say is it's a tremendous honor to get asked uh, obviously here to speak with jimmy on beer sessions but it's also really great to get an opportunity to go to wassail and do this dinner uh, and the fantastic news is that it's uh, sold out yeah. Uh, so we think that's uh, fifty people or come in. And should we say we? I was over in England with you in May, and we were having a drink. And Tom told me he was coming to the states, and I said we should do a dinner together. And so I texted Dan Pucci while we were sitting there. Dan Pucci over at Wasail and said, "Hey man, Tom's going to be in town. Can we do a dinner?" Absolutely, within five minutes, you know. And then boom, we're and 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 we're doing it. So that's that's been super cool. Wasail is. That that whole team, that whole crew has has been has been really supportive. It's been been fun to work with them That's on this. Uh, they've come up with some some great some great uh, dinners here. So here we go: uh, chilled smoked duck, plums brioche, ch- chiso. I'm not. It shows my lack of knowledge there. Caramelized carrots, corn, pomegranate, molasses, and basil. 
Uh, basil. Basil, what's that? Okay, yeah, it's, it, I think that's basil over here. Uh, roasted poke, <laughs> roasted poke loin. I think roasted pork loins, pork everywhere, isn't it? Mustard cream sauce, baby fennel, tempura kale, and then uh, panna cotta, peach compote, streusel. So it sounds better when he reads it in English. Right? Yeah. Does anyone need to, Does anyone need any translating there? <laughs> does anyone know what rocket is? Okay. In, in the in the vegetable garden. It's arugula. Thank you, yeah. Br. <laughs> That's always in the old English cookbooks. Rocket. Yeah. That's a good one, man. I, I want to give a shout out to about Wasil. I know when they opened, they were a vegetarian restaurant, and I know that they've added meat. And I say. Raise our glasses to wassail yeah. for oh, having cheers. me because my glass is staying on the table. Sorry, Don. <laughs> but you know, this is this is really historic to have you guys all here together. And you know, in the time that we've had Cider Week, it started in 2011, and the different shows we've done. Just just having Ryan here. I mean, what did it take for you know Angry Orchard, which again to me was a brand, to go into New York State? Hmm. And set up this this you know cider facility, doing innovation, bringing someone like you, and also you sound like you were so involved in in pushing the the future of New York State cider. Well, I think we're all involved in that. I'm I'm happy and honored to be a, be a part of it. Um, we have a super strong uh, collection of cider makers. It's 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 you know uh, I, I I of course have a certain amount of passion for my home state, um, and so I'm I'm really excited to see. Uh, where we can all take it. Um, so maybe I'm a little preferential to my home state, but I mean, I just think we just have this amazing group of people doing so many different things and, 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 and the possibilities are sort of endless, but everybody is focusing in on uh, what grows well, focusing in on varieties. Um, and, and, and you don't necessarily see that in, in, in the rest of the, the country. And I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of that. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think you'd probably... Uh, agree with me that 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 New York is 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 really unique that way. We've got the history and heritage. The Northeast really um, has a history and heritage of not only you know great apple varieties, um, great climate for growing those apple varieties, and and also history and tradition around cider making. So uh, I mean, it's not hard for uh, Angry Orchard to say, well, where's 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 the place to be. It's New York, uh, you know. It's 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 the Hudson Valley. It's the Finger Lakes. It's Western New York. I mean, it's, there's such a rich history of apple growing and cider I think making. Tom has yeah. to give you a twenty dollar tip for that. Quarter. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, it it, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a hard choice. You know, we, we 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 looked around a lot and we 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 looked at a lot of orchards and we we settled on the one that that we're at and that's based on uh, you know the climate. It's based on soil. Um, and, and it's also based on history and tradition. So it, it's, it's really, for me, it's a beautiful place to be because those are the things I care about the most. And so uh, it, it's really nice to be, be up there and, and, and looking at that. Yeah. I, I, and, I, and I'll second it. I mean, I think obviously New York uh, is, is got the best soil, the best uh, climate for, for cider. But I will say I'm actually really excited that, that uh, Angry Orchard uh, uh, bought the property there in the Hudson and are, and are doing what they're doing because, uh, as Ryan may tell you or know, uh, Angry Orchard can be very polarizing in, in the cider community to, to, you know, to, to certain people. Um, and, and to me, uh, I mean, that's sort of the beauty and, and why it's not a black and white world. Um, the best cider I tasted yesterday came from Angry Orchard. Out of 30 cideries I tasted through, um, 
it's not a black and white world. I mean, it's there's shades of gray, yeah. uh, and, and it's nonsense for us to, you know, it, we're in our infancy, this, the cider revival in the U.S., and for us to already start to uh, pick sides uh, and, and, and uh, you know, fight battles over uh, ridiculous things, I think, is uh, not, not going to help any of us. Um, and, and clearly, Angry Orchard is going to help New York Cider. Um, when they're making delicious stuff like the Florida Thanks. series. Thanks, yeah. man. I yeah. appreciate that. I, I think I think it, it, it speaks to something, and I'll quote Tom Oliver as I sit next to him. Uh, what really matters is apples and blending. That's what matters. And so, like, uh, I, I appreciate those comments because uh, that's all that really matters to me. Yeah. Um, I want to grow great fruit. And I want to make great cider. Yeah, I, th- uh, I think that's a, a great point uh, made by John and Ryan. There, 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 there is no point in in trying to uh, disseminate and, and and go after different cider makers, and for one reason or another, we're all making cider. Uh, we're all trying to sell cider, and you know we need to let people make up their mind about the cider. If you want to shout about cider, you shout about your own, and you tell everyone what it is that you do, why you do it, and why it's so good. And that's the that's that's the main thing. Um, there, there is. There is a tendency to bicker on occasion, and it's not productive. So, uh, no, let's keep going. Awesome. We're off to a great start again. And uh, we'll be back in a few minutes to talk more about traditions of cider making on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Music for this break is brought to you by Taxstar, and this one's called Pianissimo Short. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, check us out, heritageradionetwork.org. You can become a member. You can become a supporter. Just go to the site, heritageradionetwork.org. We have more listeners than ever. We just found out that uh, Beer Sessions Radio has people listening all over the world. And we're proud to have people from Sweden, England. I think that's how we know Tom Oliver. He sits at home and listens to our show. And it it it, it, uh, it puts me puts me to sleep for all the best reasons, Jimmy. And then you say, "Man, I'm going to call this one posh scrumpy and bring it to Jimmy." <laughs> posh scrumpy. Posh scrumpy. So be right. You know, we're, we're, I want to talk to each one of these guys. Each one's from a different region. You know, now uh, Ryan's place is in Walden, Hudson Valley. You know, Tom, of course, Hertfordshire in England, and John is in the Finger Lakes, both great apple-growing regions. You know, wh- what do you think, or do you have a question about, you know, tradition in, in cider making and maybe the role that that's playing in each one of these guys' ciders? Well, I mean, I think that's what's so interesting is that there are different traditions in all these different regions. Um, you know, when you <clears throat> excuse me, look at the, the Basque cider, for example, compared to a New York cider, completely different. Um, and even some of the producers who are using you know, the similar type of apple varieties coming out with much different flavors, uh, either based on their yeasts or their blending techniques or the barrels that they've aged in. 
Um, you know, as I was saying, we have you know, ciders from from around the world that represent that sense of terroir, as it were. I mean, it, it, as Ryan said, mentioned, I don't like to overuse that word, but it, it really does apply to the ciders that are that we get um, out of these different regions. Um, and we've been very lucky uh, for here in New York that there is a very open mind towards ciders, and then that has a lot to do with the traditions of the Hudson Valley. Um, people much more receptive to ciders, I think, earlier in this market than in some of some other places. And for some people, it's a, for coming from beer into cider, it's a very easy transition if they are into the bigger, bolder flavors of the lambics, the goose, wild fermented ales, um, because there is there are some similarities where it's it's not you know just the sweet ap- carbonated apple juice that many people think of. Um, so we find it's 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 a lot of beer drinkers are have a very easy time transitioning over over to the ciders. But one question I wanted to ask. Um, we have uh, some uh, one cider producer from Quebec in Canada, um, and was very surprised the last time I was up there doing the cider route that every single cider producer uses 100% eating apples, and yet some of them are coming out with some some very interesting and complex flavors. Would you consider using 100% eating apples to make a cider, or is that just a heresy? I don't think I don't think it's a heresy at all. Uh, I think it's a real challenge because uh, a lot of what I look for in a cider comes from the tannins, which means it's going to be a bittersweet or a bit of sharp cider. But uh, I, I think great cider can be made with any apple, but you just have to understand what that apple is, is going to give you uh, how, and how you best present it. So uh, uh, the, 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 the opportunity, I think, that would exist is if you can some, somehow keep some of that natural sweetness from 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 non cider varieties and match it against uh, the the acidity and then build up some depth of flavor uh, around that axis those two axes that would be a good thing unfortunately uh, kevin um, sharp sweet ciders is harder uh, than 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 kevin uh, bitter sweet apples so uh, it, it's a challenge but it, it's it's one definitely worth looking at yeah. I, I, w- I would jump in on the uh, the, the Quebec thing because um, uh, you know predominantly those are Macs and Cortlands and, and to a limited extent uh, Spartans, and, and and it's just night and day the apples in Quebec uh, versus say that same variety in the Finger Lakes or the Lower Hudson or even Lake Ontario, and uh, having having worked for Cornell and, and uh, I, I used to do fruit research and and even like a place like Lake Champlain which is a very small. Uh, New York apple grown region, uh, the Max are and Cortlands are far superior there. Like like quality, even just for eating, um, it, it, it's almost too warm. Uh, I, I think for for some of those varieties, when you start talking Lower Hudson and uh, uh, Finger Lakes, so I, I think that you know climate, uh, especially there in Quebec, may, makes a huge difference. Even though they're using some of those dessert varieties, let's jump. So, so Ryan, you, mm-hmm. you guys bought. A facility or made yeah. a facility in Hudson Valley. We built Valley. one, yeah, yeah. Tell us the the, the background of that, the origins. Were there, sure. were there existing trees? Yeah, the or, the or, the orchard was existing. It's a sixty acre piece of property. Uh, it's been farmed by the Christ family um, of of Walden uh, for the last hundred odd years. Uh, Jeff, who we bought the property from, um, it was his first orchard to take on from his family. So when he was at you know in his in his uh, late twenties, he took that orchard over. Um, and farmed it and continues to farm it to this day. So we we bought the orchard from him. Um, it's 60 acres. The land is 60 acres. The, the planted acres are about 50. Um, and uh, that's all um, Macintosh. Some of it 
earlier Macs, Pioneer Macs. Uh, there's some Spartan. Uh, there's some Rome, John and Mac. It's all culinary fruit, um, or was all culinary fruit until spring, uh, where we we uh, started started replacing some of the trees. So we replaced uh, three acres of of uh, culinary fruit with traditional bittersweet cider fruit. Um, and a few American heirlooms like like Golden Russet, Northern Spy, um, and this spring we'll do another. Actually, we'll do four acres this spring, and over time, you know, we're planning to transition that whole planted fifty acres from, uh, you know, culinary fruit um, to bittersweet fruit, bitter sharp fruit, um, and and and, and uh, yeah, so we're right in the middle. So of that's that kind stuff. of the Hudson Valley tradition. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a tradition of cider making there for sure that you can trace back. Uh, in fact, when we bought the property, there was an old barn uh, on site that we had to take down. It was kind of beyond beyond repair, and within that was an old cider press, um, you know, cider uh, or a- apple sorting materials. So and if you come to take a visit, um, sort of sort of half the half the uh, cider house is production. The other half is is for people to come and experience not just uh, Angry Orchard as a brand, um, but cider as a category. Um, so we put a lot of time and effort into the history of cider making uh, globally, uh, all the way down to as local as where you're standing. Um, so a lot of it is about uh, the history and heritage, of, especially of New York State uh, apples. Um, and uh, I guess, you know, we feel as Angry Orchard, you know, we, we've got the loudest mic. Um, and for us, it's, it's, it's an honor to to be able to talk into it um but it's also um you know a privilege to to maintain um and it's on us to to have a tap room where a thousand people come in on a sunday and make sure that when they walk out of there they know what cider is because often they're walking in and they think it's cider beer uh but when they leave our tap room they've seen that cider had a cider has a history cider has a present and cider has a future um, and, and a lot of that's based in New York State, where they're standing. Um, and a lot of it comes from Tom and uh, not just Tom so specifically, so, but So, but Tom, England. if you say, like your tradition, if you say cider to Americans, what, 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 do, you, what, do, you, what do you think they're expecting when you say that? Yeah, uh, the, it's still, the vast majority of people still think uh, that cider is a, is a non-fermented apple juice. I'm sure of that. Uh, but there are a growing number of people... Uh, for whom cider is obviously a, an alcoholic drink made from apples, and 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 the apples are usually uh, potentially specific for cider. Uh, now I know that's coming fr- from a small base, but it has grown immeasurably uh, since I was last here. The, the the change in cider in America has been phenomenal. The number of new cider producers um, ha- that have come on stream is fantastic, and a lot of these cider producers are l- looking at the apples that they use and making the most they can to. Express what the apple's given them, which I think is a tremendous uh, a thing. So, uh, you know, it, it's moving on. It's moving on a pace. Uh, but as Ryan and John both say, you know, you, you need you need to focus in on the apples really, because uh, that's that's key to it. And Tom, I always think about f- you know food and beer pairing. So for food and cider, earlier Ryan was talking about that that place in England where you could go to one side and get the cider, yeah. the other the cheese. Tell us about a couple of your ciders. And some English cheeses that you like to eat with them. Okay, so uh, when, for me, when it comes to perry and uh, off dry perry, uh, I, I love uh, a single Gloucester cheese. Because single Gloucester is a, a, a really delicate, uh, simple taste in cheese. But when you pair it with perry, the, the floralness of the perry um, goes so beautifully with, with the milk 
in, in the cheese, and it, the milk comes from Gloucester cattle, and it really is a, a truly wonderful combination. So that, that's, that's almost my top uh, cheese-perry combination. Uh, with cider, uh, th- this, this posh scrumpy is actually is posh tremendous. Grumpy. Posh scrumpy is great with strong, strong cheddar. So Keene's cheddar, posh Montgomery scrumpy. cheddar. Posh scrumpy. And Keene's cheddar, Montgomery <laughs> cheddar, which I know I'm sure you can get at Murray's, is a tremendous combination. Uh, uh, cheese and cider in particular. I, I don't. I, I don't know. Is there a better? Is there a better pairing? Just, I mean, just maybe pork. Yeah, right. But but, but, but cheese, pork, and cider. But, but yeah. you, when you go to the vineyard, uh, and of course, unfortunately, in the states, this isn't true. But when you speak of Hereford and, and Somerset, uh, you know, when if you were to go to a vineyard in the states, there's no pigs running around. There are no sheep. If you go to a brewery, there are no pigs. There are no sheep. Uh, if you go to the orchard, unfortunately, in the states, there are no pigs or no sheep. But if you go to an orchard in Hereford or Somerset, there are pigs and there are sheep and they're running underneath the trees and their milk or their meat is going to food and the apples on the trees above them are going to cider. And I'm sorry, but there is nothing better that you could pair with the meat and uh, that cheese than with the uh, cider Tom's that's grown on the trees. <laughs> oh, here's a hundred bucks. Money. More money. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, there, there, is yeah. No, there is nothing better. That's it. Yeah. I'm sorry to my wine and beer friends, but there's there is nothing better. I, I, I will say you can come to one cider in uh, in, in uh, the U.S. and uh, actually see pigs. Uh, come to Black Duck. Uh, you can pet the pigs, and then you can eat the pig at some point when we butcher those pigs <laughs> after we fatten them up on the pumice. Uh, and we, we do guinea hogs. We do lard, brace, uh, lard uh, breed pigs because uh, I like really fatty pork uh, yeah. with, with my cider. So. Yeah. And that... And now we're getting ready for a dinner at Wassail. Yeah, yeah. Music to my ears. Yeah. But I say that's such a unique experience, and I and I guess from a from a from a from a cider drinker and fan of your cider and fan of cider in general and fan of food and drinking cider in general that 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 we appreciate you do that. I wish that it was more. I wish that was more prevalent because it would it. Once you put cider in front of somebody with with food, the right cider and the right food. So that so they're saying that's really the, the next step is. I mean, this food is, and cider together. Yeah, this needs to be at the yeah. table. This is at the it's, table. This is about sharing. This is about uh, this is about you know coming together and 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 tasting cider uh, alongside of food. And th- and that's why tonight is super special for us because yeah. we're going to get to challenge people's perceptions about what cider can be. And that's where we're at as an industry right now. Is most most people don't know what we just talked about, right? They, yeah. they, don't, they don't know how great cider and food can be, and it's on us as as the people pushing that to it, to, it, to let them know. It's, it's without doubt uh, the, the great boys have stolen a march on cider. Um, they they have got uh, the idea for the general public uh, that uh, wine and food are just made to go with each other. Well, of course, we have news for uh, huh. uh, the wine producing world. Uh, you tell that's them, not, Tom. That's, that's just not the case. You cannot have it all to yourself. We can actually put in front of you dishes and ciders that go well, so well together. And uh, I think um, it's up to us to get that message across to everyone and to give them the opportunity to try it. So this is why, of course, Wassail tonight is a fantastic opportunity to do just that. Uh, I would like to just say that uh, the cider I've just had from Ryan is, I think, a a fantastic cider. Uh, it, It is both chewy for me but it's complex, so there's bitterness, there's sourness, there's fruit, 
Um, there's a journey as you drink it, and uh, I love it. Uh, I don't know what it's called, though. So uh, It's called uh, Edu. It is named after uh, Eduardo uh, from, from Asturias, um, who, who's, who's been a great influence uh, uh, and friend to me over time. Um, and introduced me to to so much Spanish cider, in particular when going over there to visit. Um, it took 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 many weeks uh, to take me around and introduce me to Spanish cider makers. And and so I I I, I hesitate to call it Spanish style cider. It definitely has uh, influences of Asturias uh, in it, and and that's from wild fermentation uh, as well as um, fr- fr- from a malolactic well, fermentation and extended aging in oak. I do. Uh, I I raise my glass to you. Oh, cheers. In Germany or Spain or wherever you are, it's it's a great cider, and I think you've tasted it anyway. But uh, it's lovely. brilliant. Yeah. And one last project that we, we're, we're going to pour as we close off. Uh, you were a part of a collaboration with Garrett Oliver, Brooklyn Brewery, mm. Thornbridge Brewery, our good buddies in England, and some of your cider lees from yeah. Oliver's. Uh, well, uh, the, the Serpent uh, was was a, a revelation to me. Um, Garrett Oliver is a revelation to me. Uh, he is a stupendous person, a fan- phenomenal palate, an understanding of alcoholic beverages like I've never met. Uh, tremendous. So uh, what he thought when he came to our cider house uh, <laughs> uh, many years ago, I have no idea. But what he did do was he was able to taste our ciders for the first time and understand what we were trying to do. And he saw some potential. Uh, and so uh, when this serpent was developed, he developed the idea of taking uh, what is essentially his local uh, local one and getting it brewed by Thornbridge, putting it in bourbon barrels and aging it uh, alongside uh, cider leaves that I was pulling out of all our barrels from the year of 2013, uh, leaving it in these barrels for a year or more and then blending it up. And it, it, this the result in drink is is, is stupendous. Uh, it's it's a nine and a half percent, massive massive drink, uh, but it's a beer, but it sell, smells like a cider, but it tastes like a, oh, it, it, it's tremendous. And what I love about this, and what I love about what I'm doing in the UK with a lot of uh, beer people now, is blurring of the boundaries. Is it beer? Is it cider? Where, where, where do the boundaries meet? Are they, are, do they exist anymore? Well, they don't. Uh, so at the moment, uh, there's, a, there's a lovely uh, lambic beer coming out that's two-thirds cider, a third lambic wort. There's a collaboration uh, uh, with Johnny Mills at Bristol Beer Factory. Uh, and it's, it's just fantastic because it is messing with people's preconceptions. It's messing with people's minds. But more than that, it's just giving you great, great drinks. And uh, this is what cider can do. So, you know, uh, cider, apples, but it's got a long way to go yet. Awesome. This is a great show. I hate to cut it short, but we'll definitely be back. We'll have a lot more cider shows this fall. Um, special shout-out for special events. Our good buddy, Josh Bernstein, who is probably the most popular beer author right now in America. He's got an event, a new book launch on Tuesday, September 20th at Brooklyn Brewery. Tickets at Brown Paper Tickets. Um, his new book's coming out about IPAs. We'll have him on the show September 27th. Uh, Justin and I are going uh, on September 23rd and 24th up to Boston, the Copenhagen Beer Celebration, the crazy McKellars and Shelton people. So thanks so much, everybody. And uh, thanks to Tom Oliver, Ryan Burke, 
John Reynolds and B.R. Royer for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. All right. Thank you, Jimmy. Thanks to our sponsor, Union Beer Distributors. Thanks, Jimmy. And uh, we'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thanks to uh, everybody, Maggie and Justin, producers, and Pierre, engineer, tonight. We'll catch you next time. Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.